from the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWin. Let's get started. Technology is a glittering lure. But uh, there's the rare occasion when the public can be engaged on a level beyond flash if they have a sentimental bond with the product. My first job, I was in-house at a fur company with this old pro copywriter, Greek, named Teddy. And Teddy told me the most important idea in advertising is new. Creates an itch. You simply put your product in there as a kind of Calamine lotion. But he also talked about a deeper bond with the product. Nostalgia. It's delicate, but potent. That's Don Draper. I'm Omar DeWint, and you're listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of our How to Be a Top Producer series. Today, we are talking about advertising principles and how to apply them to real estate. Joining me for the conversation are two of the industry's foremost savants from Mad Manera to now, Landugo <laughs> and Anuka Valverde. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank nice you. to be here. Thank Great you. Great to be here with you. Excited to have you guys here. Um, I think the three of us are extremely passionate about advertising, right? There's a topic that we haven't uh, dove into um, as of yet on the show, so I'm really excited uh, and really glad to have two of you and uh, your insight here for the conversation. So before we get started and we give our uh, listeners a sort of, um, you know, breakdown of advertising, how to do it, how to apply it to their real estate careers, why don't we start by letting them get to know both of you? And uh, well, ladies first, Anuka, if you could maybe give us a little bit of background on you, your career, how we got to today. Sure. Well, it all started uh, while I was at, in college. I was an accounting major and it was it didn't take long after taking my first marketing class to for me to realize that I was on the wrong track. So quickly switched over marketing and advertising and it's been that's been my passion ever since. So um, my career started um, in Paris. I, I worked in Paris, I worked in New York, and eventually I did come back to Miami, my, my uh, home base. And um, I, I started with very, um, with traditional advertising um, in, with, in New York. And um, most of the clients at the time were travel, travel and tourism. Mm -hmm. I was um, checking your your background then again um, yesterday, and I realized we come from a similar yeah. hospitality, tourism, and and um, real estate. So I grew up in the real estate world. My father was a developer, and so doing advertising for developers in Miami was a natural. I had an agency for about 25 years, eventually um, sold. And I uh, came back into the the world, the business world, as the head of marketing here at Cervera Real Estate, and where I, I run the department like if it was an agency, and that's that's it. And uh, full disclaimer out there: so Anuka Valverde is my boss and friend, amazing <laughs> person here at Cervera. So thank you for that background, Anuka. And I think when we were talking yesterday, one of the things I didn't know, surprisingly, after four years of working together, is Pan Am was mm -hmm. among the clients you worked with, which I I yes. love because, as you guys know, I'm an aviation geek. But um, so thank you for that background. And then also joining us here for that roundtable is the man who coined the phrase Sophie. And if you know. Uh, anything about Miami real estate, you know, it's one of the uh, most what what uh, expensive, uh, illustrious um, aspects or not aspects sectors huh. of uh, of Miami. But that's Len Dugo. So, Len, why don't you give us a little background on you and bring us up to speed on how you got here today? So, when I was in college, um, I was really interested in in being in the film business. I come creatively from the writing side. Mm -hmm. So I had never any designs on being in the marketing advertising business. I wanted to be in the feature film business. And so I tried to break into that business. I made a bunch of awful student films. And then right after college, made a few other very, very low budget films, which were un 
today unwatchable. Um, uh, anyway, so I, 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 I had to make some money. I went to work for a handful of very, very large agencies working uh, on consumer products, goods like Nestle's and Snuggle fabric softener and um, dial soap and uh, sunlight dishwashing. And um, from that education, which I did for a handful of years, um, I really got the, the basics of branding. I mean, these are very, very expensive um, brands. I mean, you know, uh, soap costs about a nickel. Marketing is about $4. Um, and <laughs> so right. is, you know, how you begin to distinguish uh, snuggle from some other so fabric softener. So from there, um, I uh, I wasn't a very good employee. I really wasn't terribly animated about uh, about working in that category. So um, I went out and I started my own agency with five thousand dollars and started to just try to pick up any kind of business. One thing led to another. I knew a guy from college who was an assistant marketing person at United Artists Films, um, somehow got me in to meet with his boss and we started doing work very quickly. And when I established the agency, doing um, feature film work for United, United Artists and MGM. One thing led to another. And I took that work to Paramount and Universal and TriStar um, and Fox and for the next eight or nine years did motion picture advertising. And I loved it. We did TV. We did what was called breakdowns, print, um, radio. It was very, very exciting. What was interesting about the era in that is that the big agencies were not in that creative space. Um, it was very hard to work with the studios um, because generally you wound up working with the head of distribution and the producers and sometimes directors and sometimes the talent, depending on their contract in terms of licenses. Um, big agencies, big, big agency mentality did not permit for you to, for these guys to work with them because it was fast and it was rough and tumble and you had to turn on a dime. And so the big agencies just bought all the media. However, there were five or six boutiques who specialized in creative for feature films. Then I was one of them, and so we loved that uh, that era. Um, they it was it was magic, and I went to meet with a you know a lot of different kind of people, and some of them I'm still friends with all these years later, thirty plus years later. Um, anyway, I got married, had a couple of kids. Uh, my wife at the time was not so interested in moving out to L.A. and the marketing departments where I had been in New York. Now I transitioned to Los Angeles. So my buddies, and they were buddies, said it was hard for them to continue to fly me out first class, stay at the Beverly Hills Hotel um, for a few days and watch uh, uh, rough cuts of, of feature films um, when my competition, these other boutiques, had already moved out to L.A. So from that era, I had to develop a whole new kind of strategy and went back to the drawing board and wound up doing a whole host of different kinds, working categories of hospitality and uh, liquor and wines and spirits and toys and fashion. It was all over the place and eventually real estate and uh, commercial real estate initially in Manhattan. So I worked with uh, very, very large firms at the time. And what I was also able to take from the era of consumer packaged goods and motion pictures, nothing has a shorter shelf life than a motion picture. In that era, we didn't have as many outlets to promote um, feature films. So, you know, your first shot had to be the best shot. So it really reinforced this whole idea of branding um, and its importance and how, how from a functionality standpoint and outreach that you had to create a connection between your audience and what you were selling. Um, from there, uh, uh, real estate wasn't very much different when I started working in commercial in New York City. Um, and then that transitioned to working in residential in New York City. And then in 1995, I got a call who I knew George Perez from Related Group of Florida Socially because I was doing a lot of work with his partner, Steve Ross, and related companies in New York. And he said he'd just become uh, the general partner of a condominium called Portofino Tower. That was 1995. It seems like yesterday, kind of, um, not so much. Uh, and I wound up meeting Alicia Severa there. And that's the first, um, uh, the first uh, meeting that we had. And she was doing sales there um, with Veronica and uh, Senior was there as well. Um, and it was a very, very big deal. And so I came up with a campaign, um, which was thought of to be terribly risque for its era. Um, and if you, and Omar is going to show it to you somewhere along the line. And by today's standards, it's, you know, it's PG. Uh, the fact of the matter was, is what we did was we created an identity for Portofino Tower. 
South Beach in that era was very cool. It was very hip. New Yorkers were just in love with South Beach and the nightlife and Madonna and Ian Schrager's Delano Hotel and a handful of others. So it was really, really vibrant and very, very sexy. So my attitude was to create something that connected the location with how um, interesting and different this building was. And this is a building of 45 stories within a footprint of South Beach with basically three and four and five story hotels and residences. So it, it really stood out and we wanted it to make it terribly impactful. Anyway, long story short, is that it got a great deal of coverage. Um, I remember even Veronica saying is that she had never seen an ad where people literally brought in the ad to show uh, what was going on uh, with the building. Um, so the ad was so different and so um, uh, singular is that uh, I got a call from the Miami Herald business writer and wanted to do an article about it. And she interviewed me and she interviewed George. And we got a first page on the business section with the headline that says, will sex sell in South Beach? Which, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. And so then I became the guy who, you know, could only do advertising that, you know, was provocative and whatnot. But when you see what the ad looks like, it's, you know, a, an eight-year-old. Well, we're going to we're going to show it on the screen for those that are watching video. But paint the picture for me for the, our listeners that are you know just on the audio version. So describe it for us, please, if you. Oh, want. so the so so the campaign was a, a really luscious-looking, uh, provocative, evocative gal, probably in her late twenties, um, um, blonde in a very skimpy, tight um, outfit, um, and. What we had to do in that in that era vis-a-vis -vis technology, um, we had to project the building, literally the building, the Portofino Tower building onto her bodice. Um, and, uh, and we then put them together, we created this montage, and that was it. Today, I mean, if you did that, you'd probably do it in about 30 seconds right. with a great <laughs> retoucher and it, you know, and, it would be, and it would be done. It took us quite a while um, uh, to be able to actually physically produce it. Uh, and, 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 so the head, and so one of the headlines, so she was the, she was the moment. She was the sexy connection between South Beach, this building, and, uh, and, and the community and the audience we were looking to talk to. Um, and it ran for a while. It was very, very successful. Um, uh, Alicia, Severa, the whole, the whole company, as well as George, the developer, were pleased with it. It was very distinctive of that era. Um, and as a result of that, as a result of that, I had no designs. Uh, I was very happy in Manhattan with our, with with the with the advertising uh, agency and the work we were doing. I had no designs on coming to Florida. As a result of that work, we started getting phone calls from other developers and. You know, it's the winter in New York. Um, George is going to fly me down every other week. <laughs> so one thing led to another. And uh, that was around 1995, 96. By the time 2003 came around, um, I already was, I was commuting for many, many years back and forth every other week. And I fell in love. We opened a satellite office down here in 96. Um, and then by 2003, I moved down permanently. My sons were getting a little bit older. I was, loved being down here. Happy to be away from New York. Love going back uh, and seeing friends and family, but but Miami had been my, became my home from 2003 on. Mm -hmm. So that was the story. I like it. Very interesting <laughs> uh, and a fascinating journeys on, on on both accounts. So let's get into a little bit of the principles, right, of advertising. At the top, we heard from Don Draper there, one of uh, I think that's somebody that that we love and admire, uh, you know, from a, a fictional perspective. But there's a lot of truth, I think, um, as we've talked about off mic in terms of the portrayal and the sort of uh, nuances of that Madison Avenue uh, thinking and, and what it um, what it takes to create a good, powerful ad that resonates, right, that touches uh, you in the heart. But Let's so guys, if you could for me, let's start by breaking down the principles for our listeners because we talk all the time about right. branding, marketing, advertising, you know, all these different aspects. But sometimes from the outside, they they can get conflated, you get confused. It's branding, marketing. You think you're talking about a logo? That's you know branding, or you know, there's a lot of ways to look at it. But tell me if you would, what are the principles uh, when it comes to advertising, and how does it uh, impact? business. Uh, let's start, I guess, with you, Nicole, please. Sure. Well, I think one of the, the basic principles is always research and and uh, and strategic marketing in order to come up with that, the on, on, on the money, on the mark creative, you need to do your homework. And this applies to not just the big brands like 
the buildings or even even the the, the packaged goods. It applies even um, to our agents, our general real estate agents, that it's important for them to do their homework, to do their their research, analyze their competition in the areas that they want to um, farm, as we call it in in the real estate world, um, and um, study the competition and study the the you know their targets mm-hmm. and uh, develop their their position in that in that world and um, and and develop their creative strategy accordingly. And that's what I do. I work with the agents mm-hmm. um, to do that as well and on a bigger level with with the developers and our development team, development marketing and development sales team. So um, so you're saying essentially then, for and for, for the listeners, like the research and the data part, which because yes. this important point is informs the creative because you're creating it for right. your target audience versus because you think it looks pretty. So, right? yes. So there is a process. Exactly. And in the advertising world, uh, like Len said, he came up through on film and then on the writing side, I came up on the uh, what's called the account management side, which is more of the marketing. And um, and we do we do that strategy. We do that research and we share it with the creative people so that then they can develop the ideas and the concepts and we work together to you let the painters paint right yeah <laughs> so yeah no, i think and i think that's right i think doing your homework and, and again at the access we can talk about this a little bit later but the access to information today is right. is profoundly different than it was 10 years ago plus um but the the components for me of a of a, of a terrific ad or an ad that should work it has a high impact memorable visual um, that also has a, a message that is clear and simple to understand. Um, and that along with that consistency through all uh, platforms, the consistency of that message and that visual become the cornerstone of a campaign. And it should uh, marketing should speak with one voice. It has different language from PR to, uh, to, to, to mm-hmm. email blasts, to right. print ads and, and all the rest of it. But the but there should be a, um, a singular thought that should be reinforced right. on a regular basis um, with all the competition that's out there. Um, it, it, it's interesting to see whether it's from the, on, from the development side or it's from the individual teams of brokers that work within um, uh, brokerage firms. They seem to get um, lost in the weeds or they seem to lose their way um, as far as um, coming back with a with a, an original and impactful and memorable way of defining who they are. I, I find that um, the challenge with the individual brokers or their teams is that it's a lot of the same sameness, um, which becomes challenging for a team to kind of break out of everybody else that may be a part of that organization. And so uh, that... That idea and the thought should be more along the lines of uh, singular. Uh, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. Um, I'm the one in some way, and I mean to shout it out, but in, in, in using the different um, ways of communicating to your audience, I'm the individual that you should be talking to. I'm the one who can help. That should be the takeaway. And and a lot of times I, I, I see so much saying this that I cannot distinguish the the this brokerage team from that brokerage team and on and on and on and which creates a kind of an it becomes invisible advertising and i fear uh, probably that the money that is spent may not be returning the kind of investment that they hope for so len expand on that a little bit for me because i i don't disagree uh i think that you know your unique selling proposition let's say like why you versus um the your competitor is is uh critical part right but then there's a fine line because i think uh, on the other end of that scale you get like the wrong way to do that maybe which is basically just like look at me 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 and which can also um in the sense that like we talked with orlando montiel right uh, on, on the show about this a lot that you'll have the the typical traditional ad right from a realtor is like their photo maybe it's from 10 years ago like look at me i'm awesome work with me Right. But there's maybe they're not articulating properly that unique selling proposition. But so I guess what I'm I'm asking is how does one navigate that fine line between 
um, focusing on you, the product, which the realtors are essentially the, the product here, the, the, the service provider, uh, distinguish that, but also create an emotional impact and relay the value to to the customer. Okay. I don't know if you want to go first. Well, I think um, it's the, the, the concept of bringing value. And therefore, we have a term now. Uh, well, it's been around for a little bit. Content is king. And giving the... Um, the audience value by offering them information uh, instead of only being me, 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 mm -hmm. it's um, this is it's talking about um, different um, aspects of the business, i.e. Uh, how to buy a home or five things that uh, you need to know when uh, searching for the right neighborhood, that sort of thing is connecting, bringing value to yourself and positioning, as and expert. positioning yourself as the expert by bringing mm -hmm. value and not just yeah. me, me, me. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a fine line. Sure. Uh, and I think um, that's right. I think the me, me, me should be the we, we, we. So, um, right. so if you're Severa and you're one of the preeminent teams at Severa, or an individual, your bedrock is the imprimatur success um, uh, legacy of this organization. And by, um, by, by um, leaning into that, you're able and have access to um, lots of data, lots of information. I think the single most important thing is, look, buyers and sellers alike um, have so much information today about any kind of property and about the marketplace. They really do. They're looking to be led. They're looking for leadership. Um, uh, and I think these relationships, when a buyer connects with a broker or a seller, I think it has the ability to be a very, very long-standing relationship because one good deal should promote a whole host of deals between that individual and maybe family, friends, and associates, and all the rest of it. So I think it's incumbent upon any team member individual um, to be as uh, educated as possible, mm -hmm. to lead the client where the client may have a sense of where they want to go, but maybe they don't have a sense. I think understanding your client is 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 critical, and it's and it's spending time with them, and understanding how they live and what their expectations are and their lifestyle, which you know will then create a solution to 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 um, their interest. Uh, I th I think that it's kind of basic in a lot of ways. It's it's old fashioned. It's really getting to know your client, right? Absolutely. And then and then you have now no have the tools to be able to Good fill point. the life. And that's one of the thing you know the debate these days. It's uh, there's so much technology out there. There's so much information available, yet uh, working, like you said, you can't replace that getting to know the client and them trusting and knowing that there is somebody knowledgeable helping yeah. them through the process. You know, if real estate is all local, um, selling and buying real estate um, is very, I think, senior. It's a one-on-one -on -one business. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, it still is. Yeah. Um, uh, data provides us... Uh, you know, sort of insight into um, what's going on in the market and competition and a whole host of other things. But it, there's nothing like really connecting and bonding with a with a prospect um, because it becomes the we factor in, mm -hmm. in this year. You've taken that individual and, and moved him from across the table to your side of the table. And now we're going to solve this together attitude. I think that's 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 the difference. I like it. So the technology is uh, and the trends maybe change, evolve, but it's at the end of the day, it's still a human process, right? A human interaction. Today's episode of the Miami Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by Octopus Agent, the go-to website and marketing system for real estate agents. Social media sharing. We love doing that. Connect your social media channels, start sharing properties with one click, pre-written content in your social media accounts in English and Spanish. It's easy to set up in less than 30 minutes. There's no need for a developer, no need for a designer, no tech knowledge required. You don't have to write any content and there's no need to pay for an email marketing service. For a website that actually works for you and an email marketing campaign that saves you money and positions you as an expert of choice, go to octopusagentservera.com and get 50% off the first month at octopusagentservera.com. Again, octopusagentservera.com. Let's get back to the show.
Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Bible Real Estate Podcast. Again, we're talking about advertising principles. We're here with Len Dugo, the founder, I believe, and uh, chairman of LGD Communications. <laughs> and Anuka Valverde, <laughs> the president of marketing at Surveyor Real Estate. If you guys are uh, listening uh, on the web, make sure you can also check us uh, out on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, listen on the go, uh, or go to MyRealEstatePodcast.com. So let's keep this conversation going. I like what I'm hearing. Uh, let's talk, as I was thinking about this conversation this the, the, that we were going to have today this week i was i start i found myself thinking back to when was the first time that i remember sort of an ad creative right impacting me uh like emotionally resonating right and what the the earliest thought i could think of was sort of uh high school like you know early teens I saw a Pan Am, an old vintage uh, Pan Am travel ad poster, right? It was the guy in the, the the Panama Jack hat, like the white, like looking out the window of the plane, which was the art, right? And I just was like, in that moment, uh, and traveling to Cuba or whatnot at the time, you couldn't even really be done. But I found myself thinking, wow, I really want to be there in that moment. And it, it sort of got me thinking about the power of advertising and transporting and touching you sort of um, emotionally. So... Tell me, I guess, if you could, what makes a great ad or creative or how does one sort of uh, reach that point? And, and Len, I don't know if you have a, a similar uh, story like that, but tell us. Oh, my God. If I said um, it started with I want my Napo to become I want my MTV um, <laughs> from, I believe, Jerry Delafamina. Um, I'm not sure if he's still with us, uh, but you talk about the, you know, the great, the kings of of, of marketing and advertising in the Don Draper era in the 60s and, and beyond where, where it became creating an emotional connection between brand and, um, and your audience. Um, and that little clip at the beginning talks about, about that, that he references nostalgia. I'm going to replace that with connection, uh, connectivity to the brand, um, which is potent, and it really is potent, as Don Draper says. Um, uh, and and I and I think that um, when you can make that connection in as many different delivery systems as we have today, which they did not have certainly in the '60s, I think the reinforcement consistency is so important. Um, and I also think it's about 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 you know kind of, it's the idea of suggestion. Um, it's a very, very complicated and competitive environment when we are bombarded relentlessly from the moment we wake up and get on our phones to we go to bed. Mm -hmm. And there are messages and then there are re-messages and, and it goes on and on and on. Um, how do you kind of break through all of that? Um, especially in our business in real estate, um, depending on the price point to a very um, rarefied audience, very well-educated, high-end individuals, very well-educated. They've been to the dance on many occasions. Um, <laughs> uh, so they, and they're, and they're, and they're informed. And so it behooves all of us in terms of trying to understand whether we're working on a building, whether a general real estate um, mm -hmm. person is working on a particular uh, unit, whether it's a home or a condominium, um, to really understand how, how that will connect with a prospect is critical. Um, because I think the emotional ties are, uh, are as they say, you know, powerful and potent and, and, and make that connection. So I think the sales process kind of getting that the final you know final signature becomes the um uh becomes the result of all that other work that you do in advance of the connectivity that you provide is mm -hmm. the way that you know I, I think that it works on some level mm -hmm. and so, so let's talk a little bit about the variables or like the the different types let's say of of advertising because we talk about the, the selling, but then there's also the branding. I mean, there's yeah. what, how, and let's start with traditional. If you guys are um, are okay with this, then we'll go into digital and and sort of the current trends. But talk to me about the, the different ways. Like, if I'm a realtor out there and I'm listening, um, I want to do some advertising. What what are some of the ways to do it? Branding, lead generation type things in in a print or traditional ad? Well, logos, photo photos. Uh, and, uh, and consistency, as, as Len's already mentioned a couple of times, it's very important to be consistent and not, there's nothing wrong with repeating the same message. I tell this to my agents all the time because they think that every single time you have to have a new design of the postcard. And there's one of the basic principles in, in our world of advertising is the whole concept of frequency and you need to... Sure 
repeat the message several times, quite a few times in today's competitive world to, to get it across. So, um, so again, consistency and repetition um, of a certain brand that one has just chosen to represent the, the agent. And those could be, like I said, logos and or certain designs on um, I think that's symbols. right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that there's a tendency, um, whether you're a developer or, a, um, or, a, or an individual agent or a team, um, of kind of moving away or running away from something that you believe, you know, you've been looking at it from its inception and it's been there for mm -hmm. two or three months. Or you may be bored from it, but I guarantee you that the individuals or companies you're trying to talk to, it's going to be fresh to them. And by the way, you are not the only one who's, you know, vying for their attention. There's thousands vying for their attention. And so the idea that yours is going to be consumed and understood, um, you know, is a long shot. So Anuka says it's consistency, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, I see it all the time where uh, campaigns change. I'm not, you know, over a relatively short period of time, um, mm -hmm. it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, once it's decided, it doesn't mean you can't be flexible and tweak a message or tweak a visual. You have to be nimble, but core messaging is really critical. Um, nobody has you know, unlimited budgets to, to, to spend in terms of creating desired results. So you talk about, uh, you know, core messaging being critical. Um, are, what are the other critical components, let's say, of an ad, right? Like, let's like just break that down for me uh, okay. specifically. Core messaging. Let, let, let's start with you, um, Len. All right. So, you know, impactful, memorable visuals are really important across all platforms, digital, traditional, um, really important. But I think that what gets convoluted is that um, uh, that the messaging has to be understandable. It should be, you know, one thought. It really should be one thought. Mm -hmm. It's it's um, it's not, I wouldn't say the word is frustrating. It's so misguided when I look at advertising today with multiple messages. And I'm supposed to digest all of that. Right. Uh, given as fast pace as the world is going in terms of yeah. trying to connect, I'm happy to get a half a thought in or, you know, right. one main thought is going to be plenty. And what ultimately, what is the objective of all of this? The objective is for someone to stop to take a moment, you're going to have a few seconds of their time to register it. And with that, hopefully, there'll be a call to action, call, email, something. Uh, when the ads go on and on and on and on, it's, I'm sure it makes the, cop sure it makes the copywriter very happy. And having been a copywriter, <laughs> I'm sure it makes him very happy. I guarantee Sorry. you that the effectiveness is, is really minimal. Um, you know, give your salespeople, give yourself the opportunity to tell a really, really impactful story. You're just looking to get that nanosecond of their attention right. so they'll do something. And then, like any broker, what they're interested in doing is getting in the room, getting with that mm -hmm. individual. Right. Getting, yeah, that Always person to walk in. Yeah, as we call it in the business, it's the main takeaway, right? You, uh, you got to focus in on that main headline yeah. and just a couple of the image to support the concept, yeah. like you said. Yeah, I think, so, and that's probably one of the. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, no, it's the. I I find this that either, like you say, either the developers or the agents, like they want to yeah. stuff everything in, and and you don't you don't need you don't. So need to. please, if you're you know if you're going to remember one thing, take away one thing from this conversation. It's like focus on maybe one thing, one Main objective. Less, don't yeah. try. Please don't try to do the, you know, I'm going to talk to a seller and a buyer and a buyer from New York, oh. but also from Europe and maybe also Brazil. You know, it's like, don't right. do it because yes. it's, it's another not. another thing that, 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 you know, it's defining your target, right? Absolutely. Who are you talking to in that particular message? Is it the agents in our business? Sure. You know, are the developers speaking to the agents or are they speaking to the buyers? And, you know, sometimes the message is, uh, work across the yeah, the aisle, but but uh, other times it's a very specific yeah. message. I think that's the, I think that's right. I, I, look, I mean the, the the different and very different delivery systems of marketing. Um, you can say a lot uh, um, in terms of a PR release, uh, and hopefully a third party endorsement has a great deal of validity and credibility um, when someone else is saying wonderful things about you and your product. 
whatever, versus what you're saying about yourself. Um, uh, so at LGD, what we what we try to do is we break down the core message needs to be consistent, whether it's a, a Facebook post, uh, what's on any of the social media platforms, or it's a banner, or it's an email blast, or it's a blog, or it's a print ad, or it's a direct mail piece, or it's a collateral piece. They all have a need to be treated a little bit differently um, because the 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 People who, who view this stuff um, are in different environments when they're reviewing it. Right. So if I'm on my phone checking something out, it's going to be a lot different than having a glass of wine and looking over a brochure and ad in a magazine and, and whatnot. So I think it's important to, to, to designate right. um, uh, you know, the, the, the message along with the delivery system. Correct. The message, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it makes yeah. a big, big difference. Right? And you mentioned um, uh, Facebook in there and, and generally speaking, let's say social media or social, as I like to call it, um, I think is one of the most uh, exciting and accessible, let's say, advertising uh, mediums for, for people out there and realtors out there. Obviously, it's a lot more uh, cheaper, uh, relatively speaking, um, for the for the region. I think there's the data component to it. I'm curious, uh, Len, what is your sort of favorite channel if you have one, or how are you using digital so, uh, in the advertising today? So changing um, behavior and uh, you know it's become very very interesting. I'll, I'll share this briefly only because it happened a couple of days ago. I was watching this really interesting documentary on Netflix called. The Great Hack. Oh, I just saw that this weekend. So this is Great. the story basically about um, the scandal of Cambridge uh, Analytica, mm -hmm. and it accessed um, um, so much of the Facebook content um, and was able to, to the degree you want to believe it or not, um, move many decision makers in swing states uh, that they targeted um, Trump's message um, and or did not did not target certain components in other swing states. They were able to vary their message. They were spending a million dollars a day on Facebook. Well, talk about a budget. Kind of, so, yeah. So <laughs> and and what was understood about it is that 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 they could create legitimate and then not so legitimate messaging across the United States. Now. I'm not here to talk about whether that, you know, that impact, you know, uh, was there or was not. But the point was, is that um, with healthy budgets, but even without healthy budgets, social media has is is now provided us a um, a microphone into um, a whole host of 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 different individuals that we want to connect with. Social media, the way that we define it, LGD, it becomes the direct connector to our um, to our brokers. Um, and that's whether it's from a development side or it's from a team side in terms of reaching reaching an audience. Um, uh, it, it's 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 data driven. Um, mm -hmm. It's immediate. It's accessible. It should be smart. Anuka calls you know says content is king. She's right. It is king. But then there's smart content and there's really dumb content, which is you know which <laughs> you know your you know your eyes roll back in your head when you read some of these posts. Um, but it it is really become a um, a direct line to um, um, to target audiences and and for the developer it's the brokers and it's the you know end users and all and investors and on and on and on. So we put a good deal. I mean we at LGD we spent a lot of money ten years ago. Um, developing uh, a whole protocol for our full digital suite of services to track all of this stuff. I, I, but I, want, I didn't want to interrupt, but I wanted to talk about tracking in a little bit. Yes, can I go? No. Yeah, okay. okay. So yeah, tracking, I think it's, it's really, really it's important. important. So once upon a time, John Wanamaker said the famous quote, um, um, he said something along the lines of, um, half of my advertising does not work. The problem is I don't know which half that is. Okay. <laughs> so this is a guy in the turn of the century. And I mean, the 1900 turn of the century was saying that. And, uh, and I will tell you fast forward, you know, a handful of decades later, um, in the nineties, uh, in the eighties and early nineties in the real estate business, we were spending all kinds of money without a lot of understanding as to, we kind of made certain assumptions about uh, different publications. So if we're talking to New York, we wanted to be in the Wall Street Journal. We wanted to be in the New York Times Magazine. And it was not inexpensive. New York's ADI is the single most expensive media buy in the country. So we're trying to attract, you know, uh, South Florida, Miami is the sixth borough uh, of Manhattan. And, you know, forever and a day, there's been this transition and, and interconnectivity with, um, with, with New Yorkers to to Miami. Um, so anyway, so we would be running these ads 
And um, the only way that we could determine if they worked or not was by the receptionist who was answering the phone. I'm talking pre-email. I'm talking to all you older brokers and older folks out there. Uh, and so someone at the front desk who was the least uh, um, was the not the least important, but she was the lowest paid individual in the food chain. And it was a guy or it was a girl and they would have a smoke break or they would go and talk you know, on the phone to their boyfriends or girlfriends or whatnot, and they'd miss a bunch of phone calls and a, and a whole host of other things. Anyway, let's imagine for the moment that they were at the phone from nine to six. Okay. So what ended up happening is, is that phone call would come in and, um, uh, and up, as we called it in that era, you know, the next person in the sales center would, you know, take the phone call and all the rest of it. Well, uh, from the marketing and advertising, we'd have these weekly meetings or every other week, and we wanted to know how the ad performed. Well, you know, so you'd spend $50,000 in New York Magazine, a spread ad there, and uh, we got seven calls. And then we go to extract what that person was answering the phone, and we would get stuff that you wouldn't imagine in terms of the reporting system. Mm -hmm. And um, then the classic one was what a developer said to me, you made me spend $50,000, you know, we got seven calls. We found out later it was really like close to 25 calls because they were missing, it was followed. Anyway, we were able to show him that. But he, so he came, he came to the meeting the next week and he said, well, my wife told me it should have been a blonde in the ad, not a brunette, <laughs> and that's why we didn't get those phone calls. <laughs> so, you know, we were dealing in an era of, of a lot of, um, how should I call it, Ex external pressures were brought to us. Okay, look, fast forward to today. Um, I call that creative by committee, by the way. Yeah, it was, yeah. Market, yeah. Uh, uh, advertising by committee is a recipe for disaster. In any decade, right. it's been a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, today, we don't, we don't have to deal with those, um, those challenges. Um, uh, LGD, what we do. Um, we track everything that goes out. We track everything that comes in. Um, every phone call that comes into a sales center, we listen to. We have a team of people who then will then provide for us all of this data, and we provide for our clients on a monthly executive summary. Showing a client a data dump is absolutely an enormous waste of time because clients, lots of folks don't understand what the data is saying. Mm -hmm. Analyzing the data, interpreting the data, and then producing... Uh, a document that leads a developer to see, this is where we spent your money. This is what worked. This is what did not work. And the what did not work part is as equally important to what did work because it gives us the ability to then pivot on the spend and reinforce what is working. And so what's happening now is that, certainly at our agency, is data drives our media buys. Mm -hmm. It really, really should. I'm not talking about a launch where the developer says, well, we have to be in XYZ, I'm not gonna say XYZ magazine, and we know he's not gonna, that ad's not gonna draw flies, but maybe it's a, you know, an awareness thing, and the developer's wife likes that publication, and a whole host <laughs> of things. However, you know, pretty pictures that really don't have a strategy behind how I'm going to really reach out to my target audience is just an exercise in futility. So the data really drives decisions for us now. It is a tool that is remarkable in a lot of ways if you can interpret the data. So what we do is that we take it all in and we show it to the developer and we say, this is where the data is, is, is showing us where to go. Walk me through how you're interpreting the, the the data or sort of what you're looking for when you read these. Like, for example, have you ever done a Facebook or Instagram advertising or whatnot? You're seeing the the reach, the view, the click. Like, what, okay. what am I looking so the, at? Okay, there? so the era of demo, demographics versus psychographics, you know, has changed the world. Mm -hmm. Demographics, the age, the sex, um, certain income levels, um, geography, and all the rest of it. Psychographics is about like-minded people doing like-minded things. So it's about not just where they live, but it's what they like to do. It is their lifestyle. So they like to yacht. They like exotic cars. They like to travel to Four Seasons hotels. They, this data provides insight for guys like me and my company to be able to say, this is an individual. It shows us more of a target than it does basically just throwing mm -hmm. messaging out into the universe. Mm -hmm. So we take that information and we recognize, so if you're selling a two or three or $4 million penthouse or whatever, or home, uh, to have a lot of kids on a Facebook or Instagram, you know, take a look at it is why. I yes, mean, that's yes. not who we're talking to. Mm -hmm. So by posting and by supporting, ad supporting, Facebook posts and, and others alike, you begin to selectively choose 
because you know your product, you know your pricing, you know in some way, shape, or form who's going to be interested in this, and then the data will tell us exactly where we need to be spending our money. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. It's no longer throwing dartboards with a blindfold on, mm -hmm. praying that maybe spray some and pray. Of it, <laughs> spray and pray. Some of it will work. Right. It doesn't work like that anymore, nor should it ever work like that again. I, it doesn't. I think that, and, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, Anuka, but I think that's so like on point in, in, in our um, uh, Surveyor Marketing Academy here where we teach our associates, like at least from the marketing perspective, how to develop their full platform. The very first class is on branding and marketing foundations. And I literally spend like 10 or 15 minutes talking to them about the importance of creating, number one, understanding who your target audience is, but then spend the time to build a persona. Sure. Where even like like you were just mentioning the the behaviors or interests, like we're talking about what do they, you know, what do they do on the weekends? Like what are their hobbies? What are their, and sometimes the agents are looking at me like, why do I, why would I care? But really when you have this info, it really guides and sort of informs. Your prospective yeah. clients, uh, sellers uh, can identify with you. Yeah. And you're so speaking you're, their language. Yeah. Spe yeah, exactly right. Right. Yeah. So, so it's important. taking what Lynn just talked about and, and translating it to another level. Um, going back to this concept of um, what you're talking about is is what used to be in the old world, uh, <laughs> direct mail marketing. Sure. It started as direct response. Yep. And, and in those days, which is where, by the way, I started my first job in Paris, was at a direct mail marketing mm. agency and uh, sponsored by Bob Stone. I don't know if that means anything, but anyway, he was the David Ogilvy of the direct mail marketing world. Mm. So those principles still apply to today's world in, in the digital world mm -hmm. sure. of, uh, of targeting and, uh, and uh, getting a response, a direct response vehicle through through the digital. So this is another important aspect. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. So talk to me about Anuka, about the, like the funnel, right? Cause you, you talked uh, Len was mentioning earlier, the call to action, right? But yeah, the idea the is person to walk into the, the sales center or to make that phone call. Sure. Right. Like there's like always be closing, right? We say, say that all the time, but the idea is the ad is like part of the process in the buyer journey. Right. So tell me about the funnel and sort of what, how that in the advertising plays into that. So the, the main purpose of the advertising is to get the person interested and getting them into the top of the, the funnel. And then you have to do other things as you nurture that lead. You can use advertising and sure. other forms of advertising, such as email marketing, to keep that prospect in in, in the funnel. So essentially like... It down uh, as you... Uh, and, and, and there's other things. You can use your the, the email. You can even use the social media in that process. So you talked about, like in the, earlier you mentioned the like direct mail, right? So again, just to yeah. like make this super clear for, for our listeners out there, if you send a postcard right. or you have, uh, let's say you run an ad and there's a call to action, the, the CTA. Well, in, it, in, in the, um, well, so the, the traditional world of direct mail marketing, it used to be uh, different in that, we had um, coupons, and yeah. they would, <laughs> and they would be envelopes. Twenty-five in there. cents off. Yeah, yeah twenty. <laughs> yes, and and um, and and you would have envelopes, much like today's world of fundraising. Actually, still mm -hmm. uses this yeah. very effectively. True. And so you've got the envelope in there, so you've got a direct response vehicle to um, to res to respond to. Or when in today's world, you have those links. If you've got an e-flyer, you mm -hmm. have the link, you know, respond here or click here sure. for for more. or And then you capture them through a, a form. The form entry. Yeah. So there's all these tricks. Yeah, I think that, I mean, so on the, on the topic of tricks, or at least to um, amplify um, outreach marketing spends, so by way of example, um, uh, if somebody comes to one of our, at LGD, one of our clients, let's say they goes to a developer site and he clicks on it, um, we are able to then follow that individual who got to our site. So, and I right. think our rule is 12 or 13 follows. So for example, if I go to um, XYZ developer, um, 
I see what I see. I'm, I'm you know, analytics will show me. I, I was on the site for you know four minutes. I looked at a floor plan, whatever. I may be interested. Um, but now I go to the Wall Street Journal site. Now I go to the yachting site. Now I go to um, CNN and a whole host of things. My ad is going to pop up. We're tracking that individual. Um, I had a funny story. I was on a golf course with an investor in one of my client's buildings and um, really, really sweet guy. And we were just chatting a little bit. And he said, how much money are you spending on marketing? This is now an investor. How much money are you spending on marketing? And I said, you know, why do you ask? He said, because for the last three weeks, I have been <laughs> on every website that I go to, whether it's Financial Times or Business Daily or South Florida, I keep seeing, you know, this ad. And I said, well, you know, we're tracking you. And so to your point about a trick is that, again, you want to talk about repetition, right. so important. Yes. So if we send out a direct mail piece, so we send the out a blog or whatnot, exactly. If you, if you go on that site, uh, you know, we're going to, we, we have you now for a while mm -hmm. and we're going to remind <laughs> you and remind you again and remind yeah. you again, yeah. um, uh, but you know, whatever we're, whatever we're suggesting you uh, take a hard look at. I think that's a really important takeaway in the sense that there's the, the creative, it resonates, it has a message, it has a call to action, but then you have to have the sequence and the plan in place. Like you mentioned, the retargeting, the email and sure. what the follow-up, because also we talked earlier about the, creating that persona, understanding your buyer, especially from real estate. If you, you know, you all probably know that his is like the buyer time to make a decision is anywhere what from six to 12 months. So maybe your advertising yeah, worked another... and you reach them, but how do you stay, sure. you know, top of mind? You know, once upon a time, and Luca knows this as well, a little bit before your time, Omar, is that we used to have <laughs> projects in, well, 2003 and four. We used to sell them out in, in, in oh, 10 yes. days, oh, yes. 15 days. It was like, it was remarkable. Um, why am I mentioning this? Because it was seems like an ancient history, but we we actually did. I mean, that was the era that ran up to a rather unpleasant time for us sure. in South Florida and the United States in terms of um, uh, everybody, you know, buying multiple condominiums with five percent down, and no one was able to close. <laughs> but it was a really crazy time where. Um, People were lot. People would literally. I'm not exaggerating, and you can attest to this. We would launch a project, you know, run, you know, full page ads in Miami Herald or wherever else. We'd have people the night before the sales center open, sleeping, you know, in the parking lot, looking to be the first ones there. These like, were lines like around the block with <laughs> checks. I like mean, the TVs are on sale. It was crazy. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, was yeah. like uh, it was like when you go into an Apple store today. It's like you think they're giving away money. It's so busy all the time. And that's what it was like in that era. I'm not sure why I brought that up, but it just reminded me how crazy it was. No, it makes sense. You're Genera. talking about the time to make <laughs> yeah, a, a decision. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And today it's obviously, uh, you different. know, whether it becomes a buyer's market or a seller's market, no one's selling real estate like we used to sell real estate yes. in 2002, 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> you know, developers couldn't, you know, launch them fast enough and they were sold out. Well, as, as, as Elisa, <laughs> as Elisa likes to say, um, Elisa Jr., that is, it's like if my Hemi was as a person going back to like your portofino ad if my hemi was a personified she would be a an attractive 30 year old like woman in her early 30s right because we i think you had the the maybe the teens was like the cow uh cocaine cowboys 80s days right and then matured a little bit in in, in the 20s but then played a little fast and loose in the 2000s with this uh uh, as you mentioned, like that, um, the buying that led to the the recession. But, you know, we learned. And now in the 30s, when you're like in your early 30s uh, or in your 30s, you're, you find out you're applying all those life lessons. But it's like the future is bright ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that there's also on that topic, there's a kind of an over-exaggeration. And I think that Alicia and Craig Stugnicki talked about this on one of your podcasts not so long ago about, you know, where the market is right now mm -hmm. um, and that it, it and that. Business is being done, even on the high end. Yes, not as robust as we'd all like, but business is being done. And what has happened as a result of developers identifying this slowdown or this pause that we're in now, um, a lot of that inventory over the next year, year and a half or so is being consumed. The good news is, is that get ready because late 2020, 2021, that inventory is going to be gone. Right. And developers will then perk up again. And, you know, I know a handful of developers are sitting on prime, prime dirt um, in, in South Florida waiting for it, the signal to be right again. And I think that we're approaching that. Um, I think this inventory will be absorbed um, within time. Um, 
and there we will be back again. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I, you know, I think that's what's that's that's where we're at right now. But it's listen, I'm, everybody knows it's it's a it's it's a real grind now, very challenging. And I think those that are persistent and um, absolutely committed, um, you know, prevail. I mean, they just mm -hmm. do. They just do. Their tenacity, you know, wins out. Yeah, and and I think like to wrap sort of everything up in a in a neat bow for for the listeners is that with all the things we talked about here is um, the the persistence, the plan, be ready. You know, there's don't look at the advertising essentially as just as the end all, right? Like it's a very important part of the process, but it's very much sort of at it's the beginning one, of the process, yeah, right? It's one component. Yeah. Uh, so have a plan, understand your audience, have a message Always. as you as you talk yeah. about frequency, consistency, yeah, different so. platforms. You know, it's one of the six bullets in the gun. It's not everything. Mm -hmm. It's it's you know, right. products got to be right, pricing's got to be right, representation mm -hmm. has to be right, yes. uh, as, um, all as, the other things. Yeah, the traditional marketing four Ps. You know, you gotta get, you have to have everything. G give me those four Ps, by the way, for those that that. <laughs> that uh, promotion, pricing, um, position, and um, PR. There you go. Okay, interesting. The four pieces before my time, I think. So I was I curious. Think, well, maybe, maybe before well, my time. No, <laughs> no, no, that's Lens 28, by the way. That's marketing. That's like traditional 101. marketing. Right. Yeah. Marketing From 101. Different era, right? right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yes. Well, it, and it's actually now evolved. I mean, I've seen models of seven piece, but anyway, that's another right. story. But the more things the change, the more they stay the same, the right? The core principles are, yeah, are there. The core principles are there. And I yep. think that is one of the most important messages to take away is that. The world of advertising and marketing is a combination of science and art. Yep. It is, it's, it needs the numbers, it needs the research, and you need the right messaging, you know, that and the right visuals to put it to to make it an effective yeah. uh, communication mm -hmm. and um, and that there are different aspects and that it's important to stay current. And um, from our end as professionals. The principles are there, the same, but we evolve as our industry evolves. Oh, sure. And it's always staying on top of the latest technology that oh, we yeah. have available to us. Yeah, that I think that I think that's right. You know, one of the things that we were um, actually I was chatting with Omar about, you know, what's, you know, for the next generation of, he was calling them mad men, mad women, and, mm -hmm. you know, what the future holds. And I think that, you know, Real estate's always been about location, location, location. I think it's data, data, data. Um, and I think what happens now is that the individuals that will, and I'm not just talking about real estate now, I'm just talking about the world at large and overall marketing, is that chief data directors will usurp what was the traditional components of marketing, branding, advertising agencies because the data um, will and probably should lead the process in terms of identifying um, where the buyer, regardless of industry, where they are, who they are, how do they think, what are their lifestyles and all the rest of it. Um, for someone like us, uh, Anuka and I have been at it for three decades or so, plus or minus. Um, uh, those were really uh, glorious days. And yet to talk about to stay current, um, data, I think, helps us all trem tremendously. And also, it, what it does is um, it, it, it provides for a much more efficient and effective way of spending money it's, it's because right. it's all trackable and, it's all, and, it's all, and we can really showcase, we can, we can share, rather, um, with our clients. This is what's working. This is what's not working. And that's critical. It doesn't mean that it's the end and the be all. Data is not understanding the data. Um, interpreting the data oh, is yeah, really yeah. critical, but still, it's just another component. It doesn't come up with, in space, nobody can hear you scream. <laughs> data does not come up with just do it, all right? I mean, right. you know, probably just do it had a lot to do with them, uh, Wyden and Kennedy doing a lot of research to, to you know, come up with Absolutely. just do it. But, but it still takes, you know, creative people like us to be able to put it together and say, this speaks to your audience. This will connect to your audience, to your buyer, to the seller, whatever. So, you know, I think it's and, just an important tool. And this is how we can target your audience more effectively. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I think that's right. So basically the data helps us create the message and data helps us place the message and tweak where we're placing it uh, so that it's cost effective. Yeah. So 
That's right. Data, data, data. Data, data, data. And, data, data. and okay. guess what? The, one of the, the kings of advertising, David Ogilvy, came from the research, research department. Or, Absolutely. Came from research. Correct. So, he was ahead of his yeah, time, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's all. We, we had recently um, Jeff Ranzel of, of Venture Capitalist here. He runs the Miami-based Rocker Fuel VC fund was on the show. And he, had, he said, data's the new oil. Which, which yeah. I love, and, and I think it yeah. speaks to what you're both saying right. here. Exactly. Well, why, I mean, look, they, look they at this way. What's well, well, literally they, valued more that more well, expensive well, than think, oil. Think about it. Once upon a time, the Exxon's, uh, the Mobiles, the GEs, and on and on were the largest corporations in the world. Today, it's Google, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's, it's the rest of them. It's all those are all data companies. It's the single greatest asset in the world today data is and that's why these companies are as big as they are today um and, and right we we will we will exploit it in some way shape or form or it will exploit us which it already has i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> right it's like no, alexa's right. listening right. um ladies and gentlemen <laughs> you are <laughs> you are listening to the miami real estate podcast we're talking about advertising principles here with anuka valverde president of marketing at Cervera real estate and len dugo the founder chairman right so uh, right of uh, lgd communications <laughs> uh two amazing people um that i uh, love and admire and respect as we wind this conversation down guys uh we started talking about the future um you know and, and sort of where you see that talk about data i have a question for you because uh i was recently i was having a conversation with our creative designer here at Cervera, uh joss uh joss if you're listening hello um and he, he said to me omar he's like people don't want to see emotion and uh and and uh sort of what was you saying Anuka? you were there it's like because let me backtrack, right? Because I'm a fan, and I know you are, of the, the Steve Jobs that just do it. Like, think about that thing different, right? Like, it's like, oh, my God. Like, you just see that message, and you're like, it touches you yep. at a very emotional level versus yep. a more of uh, just pure marketing rational perspective. So he says to me in this conversation, um, you know, people don't like so much the sentimentality. Maybe that's what he was saying anymore. Maybe he's talking about the new generation or whatnot. And I, I was like, mm. I don't know if I, I agree. We're kind of going back and forth. So the, my question to you guys is, it, as we move forward and data is this new oil, uh, do you believe, like, where's the role of that nostalgia, as Don said at the top of the show, and, and that emotion and that tech appeal and whatnot in the future of advertising? I'm going to imagine he's under 30. Millennial, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I think that's, that definitely comes into it. It's a wild I, guess. But. I don't agree. I, yeah. I believe emotion because emotion is we are the core uh, unless you're talking to the next the future which is the robots <laughs> and that's you know which is the ai i mean that's a whole nother concept that sure. maybe that's a different podcast yeah that's a whole other podcast but we'll we'll, we'll put it on the list AI into, um, yeah, i think the um I, I think that with all due respect uh, i don't agree with him uh, i think that the connection the emotional connections that we make um, um to our uh, things that we buy things that we consume how we live um, is tremendous and, mm. and it's uh, it is potent as mm. don draper says uh, i think there's no getting away from that um I think there's a sort of a numbness that uh, mm. maybe millennials uh, kind of are exposed to as a result of being brought up in a in a technological world that um, uh, that has anesthetized them in a certain way, and that emotion should be checked in some way, shape, or form um, to maybe raw data only, which. Well, who wants to live in a world like that <laughs> without any connection yeah. to anything? Yeah. But but nevertheless, I mean, I think, I, I, I think yeah. us as veterans don't necessarily align ourselves with that thinking. Yeah, and look, in fairness to Joss, I think there's probably there's some truth in the sense that maybe in context, right? Like when you're and in, in the journey and the yeah. funnel, there's maybe more traditional numbers or whatnot, or more it makes sense. But I do agree with you guys. I think at the end of the day. Uh, it's we're humans. It's emotional, and this is the thing that touches you at the heart. And it's like why you buy uh, a Coke over generic brand, right? It's because what you feel that you, you know what that you think about you as you're consuming that. And sure. at the end of the day, that's just that's a brands human have thing. have helped define who we are. It says lots about us immediately. The car you drive, the clothes you wear, the hat you wear, the you know the golf clubs you you hit, the the boats that you own. It says it defines us in 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 lots of ways and. And those are very strong and potent emotional connections that mm -hmm. we that we um, 
that we have. So final words, final thoughts uh, from you, uh, ladies and gents here, uh, Anuka for our uh, listeners out there advertising the future of it. Uh, what's, yeah, I don't know, take us out of the gate here. Um, stay, stay current, stay current, stick to the, the principles of uh, the consistency and um, I, keep it, keep it going. Yeah. yeah. Evolving. Right. I keep think that's that, important. It, yeah. Staying current. Yeah. Staying it's, current. Yeah. And, and there's so many ways to do that now. I mean, you have like LinkedIn learning, YouTube, basically sure. YouTube Academy, right. like right. I call it right. Skillshare. Yeah. It's, I mean, you I, have to, have to have speaking to. to the agents. They have to become, um, they have to learn some of the basics of marketing. If, if they, if they're going to succeed, I think it's, it's gotta become part of, of their, persona mm-hmm. as well i do believe that yeah um, i know that it's difficult for some of the older ones but i think it's easier for some of the younger ones and so i advise them all to um to become open to learning yeah and i mean at the end of the day the realtors are entrepreneurs so you have to be open to looking at it as a full you know 360 business i listen i, I think that the um at the end of the day that what with the group that we're talking to really still no matter what with all the tools that we have to uh for understanding um is still know know your business know your know your brand know your project know it better than anybody else know it as well as developer knows it um there's nothing like someone who knows what the heck they're talking about and especially in a world today with so much flim flam and silliness and whatnot uh nothing is as energizing and as refreshing as someone who actually knows what the heck they're talking about and i think that goes in any business but especially in real estate which you know, has not always had the greatest and one most wonderful reputation of being uh, forthright and transparent between broker and buyer or seller. Um, but honestly, goes a long way. But knowing your product, knowing it is is a surefire solution uh, uh, and uh, and a path to, to success, I think. Very well said. And if you're looking for somebody that knows your product expert, if you're a developer out there looking for marketing, call Len. Uh, LGD, they're great. LGD Communications. If you're a realtor looking for a brokerage that has a, a team uh, led by somebody like a Nuka that can help you develop your personal marketing strategy, advertising strategy. Come to Cervera. We'd love to have you. And if you're a developer and looking for a good sales. Oh, that's right. I mean, I mean the, yeah, call in for advertising, call us for sales. Like we, we work well together, right? <laughs> well, since 1995. Yeah, it's worked out very, very yeah. well for all of us. So um, listen, both of you, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. I truly ad- admire and enjoy both of you very much. And thanks for, for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. On pleasure. the show. Uh, Okay, guys, we'll see you next week. Um, Hope you enjoyed it and uh, take care.